Good afternoon. I'm Dr. Terry James Gingrass, and this is Dr. G's ADHD Chat, the show trying to make the world safe for ADHDers. Uh, I am a clinical psychologist. I am a parent of an ADHD child. I have all kinds of relatives that have ADHD. So I have worked with ADHDers doing evaluations, therapy, family therapy, all that kind of stuff for right around 40 years now. And um, when I first started out, we did not know, we didn't even have the diagnosis. The ADD or ADHD did not exist. Uh, the American Psychiatric Association, in their wisdom, uh, gave us ADD in 1980. And then in 1987, they took ADD away and gave us ADHD, which confused the heck out of most of us, I think. Okay, last, I've already talked about spare the rod and spoil the child parents. Uh, and that, that's probably not the way to go because more force, fear, and punishment does not do much to a kid who's got a neurologic condition. Okay, ADHDers, a lot of their misbehavior, a lot of their problems if not all of them, are related to uh, the fact that uh, they have some neurotransmitter problems that don't allow them to get to full attention and focus uh, and cause, cause other difficulties as well, which I think we've probably covered a lot of it. But there, there is another parenting style. And, you know, we're talking extremes, okay? Um, spare the rod is the, you know, drill sergeant kind of extreme of, of parenting. And the problem with that is uh, you, your child has got two choices, either to fight back or to give in. Neither one of them is a particularly satisfying strategy uh, for a mature adult. Now we go to helicopter parents. Helicopter parents are essentially the opposite of the spare the rod people. They try to protect their child from anything, from any negative consequences of anything. Uh, the problem is they don't let them solve their own problems. And the kids never develop the kind of resilience uh, that you need to when, you know, you've got a problem and you know it's up you, up to you, <laughs> up to you to, uh, to solve the problem. Okay. Matter of fact, one of the the signs of a, of a child that's been over helicoptered. And if you're not familiar with that, that means like a helicopter hovering over them at all times, especially in school. Uh, they, they tend to have uh, poor emotional and behavior regulation, which is uh, interesting. Uh, they don't tend to do, do very, they tend to expect somebody else to solve difficult problems. And, uh, they don't tend to do well when in situations where they have to make the decisions themselves and figure out how to face a, a certain situation. Um, they're always hoping for somebody else to rescue them because in early childhood, somebody did rescue them. Uh, you know, a lot of well-meaning parents think that that's, you know, they're helping their baby. They don't like to see them uncomfortable or anything, but Unfortunately, life 
requires that you face a certain amount of uncomfortable situations and learn how to figure out how to solve them on your own. You know, I think some, somebody once—I don't even know who the quote is from—but life is a series of problems to be solved. Okay, and ADHD is a problem. Okay, and what's the difference between a guy like? Oh, let me think here of, uh, well, let's just, you know, of, of a, let's just say in general, a successful executive, maybe even a CEO of a company um, with ADHD. What did he have going for him that the guy who's, I don't know, carrying boards in a construction site. What's the difference? Why, why is one wildly successful and the other just isn't doing it? Well, I mean, the real reason is that the one who succeeds is the one who doesn't quit. And the one who doesn't quit figures out ways to use his abilities to compensate for the things that he's maybe not so good at. It's a, it's not that complicated, honestly. It's a, uh, well, it's pretty, pretty basic sort of thing, but sort of like, uh, oh, anybody who remember Muggsy Bogues, he played professional basketball and he was like five foot four, I think, but he learned, he compensated, he learned how to compensate his game so that he could play against the big boys. Um, the same, same with many other situations, you know, you're not as you know, the powers that be suggest that you need to be, okay, sports, American sports particularly, you have to be a certain size, you know. You got to be a giant to play basketball. You got to be uh, a big person, a big, big person to play football. You know, all quarterbacks need to be six foot four and 225 pounds. Uh, except, you know, right now the best quarterbacks are not are little guys who are running around uh, driving big, big defensive ends crazy. The idea is that they have learned to adapt. I um, mean, that's one of the things that sports kind of teaches you. If, if you're going to continue, you know, the first thing you got to do is understand that you're not going to get the best coaching in the world um, until you get up maybe all the way up to college level, although some of the high school guys are really good. But you're just not going to get the best coaching. So you've, <laughs> you've got to keep trying, keep struggling, and don't expect their evaluations of your talent to be the ones that are the most accurate uh, at the Little League and that, those levels. You know, These are just guys trying to give a little something back, but they aren't necessarily great talent evaluators. Of course, when we talk about great talent evaluators, we've got the old Tom Brady thing. Here he is, seventh round draft pick. And he's the best quarterback they ever had in the league. Come on. What happened to that evaluation? I mean, the evaluation, I mean, the problem with the evaluation process, they're looking at height, weight, speed, that sort of stuff. They don't have a very good way of measuring desire willingness to prepare, those sorts of things. And that's what you want to incorporate into your child. You want him or her 
to have um, to accept that he's, he or she's going to make some more some mistakes, but how to handle it? What are you going to do? Are you going to just give up? Are you going to figure out a way around it? What are you going to do? And um, the ones that fight back that don't give up are the ones we think of as having resilience. And um, I've been in, and that's the other thing. I'm, I'm talent. Talent bothers me because we're not sure people, there is such a thing as talent. There's such a thing as having quick muscle reflexes. There's such a thing as being big. There's such a thing as being tall. Um, but there's nothing that says you're going to be able to throw a great curveball um, just because your uncle could throw a great curveball. Well, probably it means is that your uncle's going to work with you in the backyard to develop your curveball. But we're, you know, there are, uh, all, well, there are all kinds of books out now, but there didn't used to be. I think Coyle was the guy's name. Uh, did the first book that I, I wasn't familiar with about talent, and it wasn't have anything to do with genetics. It had everything to do with training. Everything. And I used to do a lot of coaching, and it was always, I'd always hear, oh, his brother was great, so you know he's going to be a pretty good ball player. Maybe, but it's not because of genetics. It's because he grew up in the same household uh, as his brother, uh, who probably have a father who works with him constantly on baseball. That's so what you do with an ADHD child is not get stuck in discipline, understand that it is a neurologic condition and you're going to have to accept that sometimes things just aren't going to change, that uh, they're going to have to, uh, you know, deal with the, the outcome, the, what happens because they messed up. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't protect them, and you can't from everything, I mean, and you uh, can't uh, punish them into doing what you want them to do. And you shouldn't even try, okay? You want them to come out of, out of your home with a reasonable amount of self-confidence, the willingness to try new things, the willingness to learn from the mistakes they make and try new approaches and that's it okay you don't want them to be perfect because they'll never do anything they'll just sit there and be careful and that's not what you want out of your child especially not an ADHD because they don't do careful real well and so you might as well teach them how to enjoy the ride um, and they can become quite successful. But if you, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child people, they tend to either get rebellion or to really angry people come out of those homes. And then the on the uh, helicopter side of the house, they tend to get kids who are anxious and insecure, don't, don't dare try stuff. Neither one of them is 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 a good is a good thing for a person, much less a person with ADHD. Okay, 
uh, I always think of ADHDers as people who need to be trying, who need to be, you know, they need to be moving. And if they make a mistake, they need to be able to handle that, and pack themselves up and dust themselves off and get on the road again. So, okay, that's me for today. I'm Dr. Terry James Gingrass. This is Dr. G's ADHD Chat. This is the show trying to make the world safe for ADHDers. Because we need ADHDers. We need people who think outside the box. We have troubles as a society when we don't have a lot of good problem solvers. And neurotypical brains tend to do a great job of maintaining the status quo. But it takes somebody, not for everything, but for a lot of big problems, somebody who uh, thinks outside the box. And that's your kid. So take good care of him or her. Okay, catch you next time.